1: The show is a proud media partner for the 11th annual Media Excellence Awards, which are produced by Axis Entertainment in Los Angeles, California. The Media Excellence Awards are recognized as the most influential awards show honoring innovation and leadership in all things mobile entertainment, lifestyle, and technology. For more information on how to submit to these awards, please visit MediaXAwards.com. Welcome back to the show. Today we have Michael P. O'Rourke. He's the co-founder and CEO at Pocket Network. Michael, welcome to the show.
2: Thanks, Kevin. It's it's great to be here. Uh, thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, I'm excited to have you on the show. I think what you guys are doing at Pocket and, and some of the other things that we'll kind of get into later in the show are actually really, really innovative and, and cool. But maybe before we get into that, let's get to know you a little bit better and start off with where you grew up.
2: Sure. Um, so I was born in the Dominican Republic. Oh, very cool. In Santo Domingo. Santo Domingo, Dominican Republic. Okay. But at, at two years old, uh, we moved, my family moved to Tampa, Florida. Okay. And for the most part of my life, I've lived in Tampa. I had a stint where I lived in Atlanta, Georgia,
1: mm-hmm.
2: uh, near Atlanta, Georgia, for about three years when I was younger. Okay. And I moved out for about half a year to, to Silicon Valley over in San Jose uh, for about six months when I was uh, learning to code. But other than that, I've been in Tampa uh, most of my life.
1: Okay. What made you go to out to the Valley just for a job?
2: Yeah, you know, I I had uh, I had just graduated college, and okay. uh, I learned I learned to code, and okay. I'd been coding for about eight uh, months, and I felt like uh, going to the Mecca would be a great uh, great place to find a job. Interesting. So, but I ended up back here in Florida anyway.
1: So. Okay. So, what did you take in university, and why?
2: Yeah. So, uh, university is, was an interesting um, uh, process for me. Uh, I went in originally studying business okay, and um, I actually ended up failing out of school after my first two years and uh, mainly because I played a lot of video games and (laughs) uh, a lot of World of Warcraft actually and and, uh, I came back and I started studying uh, international studies. I wanted to be a diplomat. Um, I've always been a really big fan of uh, history and I'm bilingual so I figured it'd be really cool to kind of... uh, Live in a place in South America, work at a consulate or something like that. But the thing is, is I've always been really interested in tech. Um, right. I've always kind of uh, used Twitter and 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 uh, just been kind of in bead and in tune with with a lot of the bloggers and you know venture capitalists and entrepreneurs and stuff like that. And you know, even from my first year of college, I'd started, I started, I tried to start some businesses and things like that. So I've kind of always had that bug. Interesting. And about a semester, two semesters before I graduated. Um, Apple released a new programming language called Swift. Sure,
1: yeah. And I
2: had tried to learn to code a
1: bunch of times okay. before that, but B- by yourselves, or or did you take some classes for that?
2: Um, outside of you know YouTube, you know okay. online courses sure. and things like that, um, it, it was all on my own. Okay. And um, you know, for some reason, uh, Swift stuck. And maybe it was because I, you know, I loved play, you know making like a like a war game app, like the sure. card game, and showing my friends or something like that. But but for some reason. Um, cause I was able to do it on my phone, right? Uh, sure. that, uh, Swift stuck. And uh, that last those last uh, six months or so, um, I was just I was obsessed with it and and picked it up and learned. And uh, shortly after I graduated, i uh, I moved to the valley actually to to look for a job.
1: Interesting. That's how I' ended up there. It, very cool. So I, I think like just to kind of step back for a second, um, Swift, I think, is a really good language for a lot of people to learn to code whether they're a fan of kind of iOS or not I think a lot of people are but even if you're not a fan of iOS just being able to get something like the language is is pretty like it's it's a modern language that was created by Apple not that long ago so some of the more like languages that have been around for decades can be a lot harder to learn so I think just for people listening like if they're looking to learn to program I think like Swift is one of the languages I think that seems to make sense to a lot of people, especially when they're first learning to code. And then you can move on to other languages later if you choose. But um, once you understand it, I think Swift is a really good language. That's what I've heard and kind of through my own kind of experience as well. It seems to be like that. And it sounds like you would agree with that.
2: Yeah, I agree completely. Um, developing for iOS is interesting. It's like it's like a good video game, actually. It's it's easy to pick up, but okay. really difficult to master. Yeah, okay, so, sure. so so So... <laughs> So, like with Xcode, for example, um, you know, you start kind of building a really simple app with really simple, you know, drag and drop buttons. You you literally drag, you know, from the screen, you know, of the button to the code, and it connects it and everything. And it's really simple. And you're like, oh man, this is really easy. And you start to <laughs> kind of get into more complicated apps, and sure. and you're like, oh okay, I actually need the code. And and um, you know, it kind of leads you down that path in a different way than than most um, frameworks or programming languages would. Sure. So that was really. Um, you know, that's, I really appreciate Apple for that, actually. And I think that's an underappreciated thing about Apple and, and okay. part of the reason why iOS is even so successful in the first place is it's kind of this developer infrastructure that they've built. So I, I, I agree completely.
1: Yeah, because they, they used, like when the iPhone originally launched and up until like a few years ago, you, I ugh, the language name escapes me, but like you originally didn't Objective code C. in Swift. Objective-C, yes, that's right. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, well, I guess you could technically kind of still use it, but they're heavily pushing you to go to Swift. And if you're building something new, you would just automatically go to Swift, right? Like, it just- yeah,
2: absolutely. And, and and it's funny, man, because I when I first learned, I I I was coding Swift for about a year. Okay. And my first my first job in development was actually uh, a job in Objective C. Sure. So so I, after I'd been to the Valley for for six months, applied to hundreds, literally hundreds of jobs, like literally going down AngelList and just applying to every startup I possibly could. I ended up getting a job back in Sarasota, Florida. And they offered to just move me back, pay for everything. I was like, okay, I'm, I'm in. <laughs> but that job actually happened to be in Objective-C. And um, man, I felt like I was going back in time 30 years just, sure. just from the language. Um, but, it, but it's interesting, you get used to the stability of Objective-C. And um, with, with Swift, um, especially at the beginning, um, you just got used to uh, the language changing, you know, sure. quite literally breaking changes to your code. Which kind of actually prepared me for for blockchain development in the first place, because I would argue that blockchain development actually moves even faster than than what Swift, uh, Swift team was doing. Sure. So it's funny how that worked out, but it actually just kind of mentally prepared me as a as a new developer. Like, okay, I'm used to things breaking and moving really fast. So sure. that was actually it's an interesting uh, coincidence.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. So walk me through up until kind of Pocket became a thing, and what exactly is Pocket?
2: Sure. So, so actually, I met my co-founders at that startup in Sarasota. Oh, interesting. Actually.
1: Okay. Like yeah, yeah. So. Like co- as a coworker.
2: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I was the first. I was the first hire, and uh, or the second hire. Um, we had an Android developer, and I was the first iOS developer.
1: Okay. And
2: um, our infrastructure was completely broken. And about a month in, um, a friend of a friend had recommended me uh, my co-founder Luis. So. Um, through a series of um, really bold moves they made. Um, in about two weeks, uh, they sold everything, uh, married their girlfriends, and uh, moved over to the US, actually. Wow. Uh, to work with us together, yeah. And um, so that was Louisa Babel. Uh, Valeria came through a different way, through uh, through university, actually. Okay. She was, um, she was getting some class credit, actually, for working at the startup. So we were all there, building this thing, and Um, In about I'd say November 2016 is when we kind of started talking about uh, Crypto in a serious way and started coming up with pocket together Uh, throughout this whole time um, We all had lived in the same apartment complex together gotcha and when they when they moved to to Sarasota and I was the only one with the car at the time and the 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 job was about uh, 25 minutes away from work or from where we lived so every day for almost a year um, we were in this car together for for almost an hour every day. Interesting. So, these kind of these car rides is kind of where uh, Pocket was was first born. Okay. Um, and in fact, we actually wanted to build something else uh, okay. first. Um, we had this idea of building uh, a telcoin, where um, we didn't have to uh, kind of like change my sim my sim card or get a new phone when I was traveling. Yeah. Um, so interesting we had this whole idea of incentivizing uh, people to even spin up their own MVNOs and everything. And and, you know, since I'm on a T-Mobile network, right? I should be able to go to Paris and go on the same frequency provider that they have over there. So it was uh, to tokenize our cell phone data and everything like that. But um, we we definitely realized that that was way, 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 way too early. And really there was not enough just general blockchain infrastructure to really support that kind of a thing. So we actually came across this problem of this this node incentivization problem, which is what Pocket is. Is we're actually solving this idea where um, miners are incentivized uh, to run nodes to mine because you know they earn Bitcoin or Ethereum, but um, you can also run a full like archival node. But the problem is, is right now in Ethereum, for example, it's over a terabyte um, and it's just getting bigger faster. And 99.9% of people aren't going to run you know a full archival Ethereum node to kind of support the network. So um, that's where Pocket comes in, and Pocket's quite literally a protocol to incentivize people to run uh, full nodes. Right. So that's kind of uh, how we meandered <laughs> across uh, uh, Pocket. And uh, for, yeah, I'd say for about the first 12 months, um, Pocket was a series of smart contracts on Ethereum. Okay. And um, after we kind of got deeper into the research and, and building Pocket, and, and there's, a, there's an artifact on our GitHub that you can see that's kind of the original smart contracts of Pocket, um, we realized that Ethereum really wasn't um, the right platform for us. Okay. Um, at least in its current state, because um, it's expensive. Um, you know, our, if, we're, if, if just to give you this an example of kind of the scale, um, the person or the company that provides um, infrastructure for probably 80 to 90 percent of Ethereum, um, they're called Infira, and they're awesome people. We actually meet with them um, pretty regularly. Um, in March of 2017, they were doing 180,000 API requests a day wow. for Ethereum. Um, today they're doing over 10 billion yeah, API requests. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah, interesting. So,
2: so, so if you're doing all these API requests and writing to the Ethereum blockchain, you know, even if it's, you know, every 15 seconds, right? Yeah. Um, you know, you're batching them and everything. That gets really expensive really quickly. So, um, kind of building your own blockchain. And in fact, we kind of went through a meandering route to to kind of building our own blockchain too, because there's a whole bunch of scaling solutions that we looked at on Ethereum first, um, including state channels and uh, this really cool solution called Plasma. And Plasma was interesting for us because um, it kind of opened up an entire design space for us okay. uh, when we were building the blockchain or when we were first kind of, you know, initially planning it. And um, we actually ended up just kind of specking out our own blockchain as a Plasma chain. And um, we were like, well, why should we even be a Plasma chain? Let's just move it off and kind of make, a, make it its own standalone thing uh, through a you know, whole series of, of technical reasons. But um, but yeah, that's kind of how we ended up kind of going to, to Pocket being its own blockchain because, um, because you can kind of, build the methods and, and everything kind of closer to the metal, if you will. Sure. Um, everything is significantly cheaper um, for for everyone involved and and it really increases the, the success of 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 the the infrastructure just generally right. So that's kind of how we got there.
1: Interesting. Okay. So I I, I want to dive a little bit deeper into pocket, but I wanna also kind of step back for a second and and talk about like obviously there's a bunch of developers that listen to the show and probably understand everything you've just said. And then there's going to be non-developers that listen to the show. Do you maybe want to give a bit of a high level kind of overview that's maybe a little bit less technical on, on kind of what you do. So maybe if somebody's listening, they could go to their developer and say, Hey, you guys should just check this out and maybe we can implement this.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, at its core, we just try to make it really easy for developers to build dApps. Okay. Right. So, um, like, for example, if you're using um, uh, an app that communicates directly with Ethereum, right? So that's the whole mm-hmm. beauty of the blockchain right? is is you don't have to have like a a a a traditional server or anything like that, right? Yeah. Um and the problem is is, is the tools um, that most developers would use, you know, for Swift, for example, for iOS, yeah, um are not nearly as matured, um not even I mean I, like, like one hundred, not even probably one thousand uh, as mature as like developing for iOS would be, for example, right now. Sure. So we're building a suite of, um, infrastructure and tools for developers to actually make it easier for them to build applications and that includes mobile applications and and web applications as well. Very cool. So, so, you know, at a very, very high level, um, we build tools for developers. Um, everything we build is open source. So, um, it's all there on our GitHub and, um, these tools, we strive to make it as easy as possible for developers to actually build these really cool uh, decentralized applications, right? Very so that, cool. that's really at a high level what we do.
1: Yeah, okay. No, I just wanted to make sure, just so people are clear of that. So, for developers, how do they kind of get started um, with actually using Pocket?
2: Yeah, so right now we actually just started building the blockchain itself. Um, okay. So, the actual kind of like core client. Okay. Um, but right now, uh, we've actually built. Uh, before that, we've built a bunch of um, of those tools, right? Sure. So if you want to um, be your own kind of infrastructure provider for Ethereum, so so you, you know you see the growth that um, that Infira, this company called Infura had from 180,000 to 10 billion. Yeah. Um, you could spin up your own version of Infura and kind of as an infrastructure provider. So if, let's say you're a, you know, you're, you're someone who works at Amazon Web Services or Netflix okay. or Google or any of these places who um uh, you know are really good at infrastructure um you could go right. and actually um, spin one of these uh, nodes up for ethereum and we're actually working with a couple of blockchains now to spin uh, to 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 have those same kind of plugins for those other blockchains um and actually be a provider for for ethereum and these other blockchains right sure. um so that's one side of of the thing if you're if you're an infrastructure expert and you're good at you know configuring things or you know, running your own local servers um that's one way to get started um, if you're an, an iOS developer or an Android developer, for example, yeah. Um, the other way is to um, build a DAP that's for for iOS or Android, right? Okay. So So um, we built this um, app called the NanoQuest as kind of an example for okay. developers to uh, to see, um, you know, to kind of inspire and to kind of show people how it is that you can um, use Pocket. But really, it's just um, one line of code um, in your iOS or Android project um, from from CocoaPods um and all of a sudden it opens up the entire api or the entire set of of tools that pocket provides so for example if you want to create a wallet um it's it's literally one line of code (laughs) in swift to create a wallet right so that's kind of what we're striving to do is make it really easy for developers um to kind of focus on the app itself or the game or whatever it is and kind of leave um the complicated blockchain stuff um uh to the to the sdk itself right so so that's kind of what we have built, right? So, um, yeah, you can just play around with with the SDK and the Ethereum plugin, and um, I definitely recommend taking a look at Banana Quest. That's also open on our on our on our on our GitHub as well.
1: Sure. So, I, I want to dive a bit deeper into what Banana Quest is because it, it's a pretty cool little idea that you guys kind of built. So, what exactly is it, and, and why did you guys kind of build it?
2: Yeah. So, um, Banana Quest was born at uh, the ETH Buenos Aires Hackathon. Um, about about okay. two months ago or wow. two and a half months ago I think or, yeah close, maybe two and a half three months ago and um, we were just trying to come up with a cool idea to build using the pocket tools so it's like you know I have uh, an easy way to um, interact with the infrastructure and I have an easy way to run the infrastructure so we're like okay what's a cool thing that we could build um, and we came up with this idea called banana quest and okay. we feel like banana quest really highlights um, the strength of cryptocurrencies in general okay. um, and why they're important. Um, Because really, I mean, really what, what, what really is what makes crypto so amazing is that you have um, this idea of digital ownership, right? So Bitcoin is kind of the first application of the first blockchain where, you know, there's a finite number of Bitcoins and all these things, right? Yeah. So um, we decided to kind of show that concept off um, building on Ethereum with a set of smart contracts that we also wrote. But generally speaking, what Quest is, is kind of like a mix between uh, Pokemon Go and geocaching.
1: Okay, so, interesting.
2: Um, with geocaching, uh, you basically just go on the website. It's actually a public thing going go on, on the geocaching website, if you Google it and you just get a series of coordinates. And for example, there could be, um, like a trash can behind a bank that some object, physical object is that you then you pick it up, you sign it, you kind of prove that you found it and you set it back exactly where it was. So it's kind of geocaching, right? Right. And, um, Pokemon go is just, you know, you're finding these augmented reality Pokemon, through, through the game and everything. So we kind of mix that, where um, there's two kind of ways to play the game. You can be a quest creator, so okay. you can create these, these quests. And um, what's cool about the app is that it's talking directly to Ethereum. So all the data, um, there's no actual traditional database. Everything is actually on a smart contract and being read and written to a smart contract, which is really cool. And um, you can create a quest, and you would have a hint, a quest name, and uh, the cool part is you can say how many banana tokens do you Mm -hmm. want uh, this quest to have okay so for example if i create a really hard quest let's say or you know at the top of the empire state building and you have to get to the top of the empire state building and there's only one token reward um only the first person to to complete that quest would actually get the token reward right so it kind of shows the uh the scarcity right and it's kind of like um this idea of digital scarcity and um it's this kind of interesting kind of a token right so it's there's this idea of this concept of non-fungible tokens which um whereas bitcoin is considered fungible where every bitcoin is worth exactly the same right. um non-fungible is the opposite right so you know if you're comparing cows one cow might be 20 pounds high, uh, heavier than the other so they're so they're different and you can have that same concept in 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 cryptocurrency as well so so each banana token is actually unique and can never be found again once, once all of them have been rewarded. Interesting. And what's cool about this is that you kind of, um, you start to see the real strength of crypto because uh, we have this set of smart contracts in Ethereum, but it actually allows anyone else to actually interact with it and kind of create their own game on top of it. Okay. Um, and to give you an example, for example, there's this uh, really kind of the first kind of explosion in this concept was um, an app called CryptoKitties. Yeah. Um, this was, um, this blew up sometime last year. And uh, a few months later, um and it's a very simple game where you where you just um, breed cats. Um, you know, and it's it's just a very simple game. Um, someone else built a game built a game called um, hyper dragons. Okay. And um you can create these hyper dragons, and if you feed your CryptoKitty token to the hyper dragon, it actually gets more powers. <laughs>
1: Interesting.
2: So um you <laughs> That's can, cool. and and, and CryptoKitties had no say in it. They had nothing to you know, it's just hey, we like crypto kitties let's make a fun game using cryptokitties with with hyperdragons right sure. so that same concept applies to to banano quests right so someone could create a quest where you know or create a game where you need you know a Banana token a cryptokitty and a hyperdragon to do some other thing right sure. so um and it just kind of builds on itself right so um it's really fun and interesting and, and it just kind of shows really the power of cryptocurrency sure. um and, and the chain to to people and um, in a really you know also it kind of shows how how easy it is to build an app Uh, like that with our with our tools.
1: Interesting. No, I I think it's quite, quite fascinating kind of what you guys are doing in the space, right? Because I I think, at least in in my experience, and you can tell me your thoughts on this is, some of this stuff gets so complicated so fast that you almost don't know where to start, right?
2: Yeah, yeah, that's that's very true.
1: And and so Um, what the tools you guys are building Allow people to kind of get started almost instantly, right?
2: Yeah, correct. So, so it's you know one line of code of CocoaPods, and you can quite literally just get started experimenting with it, right? Um, and that's that's really kind of the, the fun thing about it.
1: Sure. So, how do you guys monetize Pocket?
2: Yeah. So, there's a couple things um, we're doing. Um, okay. So, we're actively reaching out to blockchains. So, in the short term, um, we're actively reaching out to blockchains and um, Kind of doing slas right where okay. where they pay us to kind of build these tools in the short term sure um and uh until we reach uh until we reach the point to where we can actually release this blockchain um at that point when we're running all this infrastructure we can then plug in that infrastructure and uh start earning our pocket tokens right for 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 servicing um, all these applications right so right so we're kind of acting as an infrastructure provider um, but in the meantime, we're, we're, we're um, aiming for these SLAs with other blockchains uh, because they need this kind of infrastructure right. um, as well. And um, that's kind of in the short term. Um, and like I said, in the long term, um, one of our models is obviously we'll actually plug in this infrastructure and earn earning pocket tokens. But um, really in the grand scheme of things, that's not really the, um, the goal of Pocket Inc, right? So Pocket Inc is building this pocket protocol that is completely open source. It has its own governance mechanisms and everything. Mm-hmm. But um, as a company, um, there are some really interesting things that can be built on top of the protocol, okay. um, because what what you're doing here is is you're having a network. So you you have someone running Pocket, but they might also be running Ethereum, Bitcoin, Litecoin, Zcash, and, and a whole host of other blockchains, right? Sure. Um, because they're they're providing the infrastructure for them. Um, so when you have a blockchain that acts as kind of like um, it, it acts as a protocol that that is hosting all of these other blockchains um and that that doesn't exist today and the uh potential for that is really 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 interesting actually that's huge Actually, so this, yeah yeah that that doesn't exist right so yeah. so one of these things that we want to build is uh, for example you can build the decentralized exchange for every cryptocurrency that's hosted on pocket right so you interesting. got wow what, interesting. The, a, thousand, a thousand yeah so, so we can be kind of like a portal, right? And yeah. and by, for, as Pocket Inc. being that portal, you know, we'll take some small percentage for being, you know, the liquidity provider and providing that portal for, for that decentralized exchange, right? Um, so that allows us as a business to actually make money um, down the road without really, you know, extracting rent from 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 the protocol itself or anything like that. And also, you know, people can compete with us too, right? Like we're building this thing, but also other people can build it too, right? So that's, Um, that's one thing that we've thought about building. Um, The other thing is um, custodial services. Um, There's some really cool uh, algorithms out there that kind of take your private keys and um, uh, kind of split them up amongst many nodes, kind of as like a decentralized storage, if you will. And uh, Pocket can be kind of like a custodial uh, guardian, right? For, um, you know, you have some person who, you know, maybe they invested, you know, $20 million in Dash or something and they don't want to deal with, um, you know, taking care of those keys, right? Yeah. So you've got these really big companies that are, are, you know, doing it right like Coinbase and Gemini and things like that. But um, there's a way that you can actually um, host those casino services, you know, in a decentralized protocol by having a bunch of nodes like that. So um, we think that's a really interesting um, way to make money as well. Um, and also uh, the third, another third thing that we think is really interesting is um, kind of running like mining pools, if you will, for the okay. pocket protocol. So um, kind of like how it works today with a normal mining pool, you're kind of trusting um, um, your hash power to another central entity and they're paying you out in Bitcoin or Ethereum or or whatever it is. Right. Um, We can do the same thing for uh, people who just want to earn some pocket where, you know, we make it like one to three clicks to run some infrastructure. Okay. And uh, since pocket, you know, and anyone should be able to do it. Right. So, So the idea is to make it so easy that, you know, my grandmother can go go on the Pocket website, you know, three clicks, and they're running some infrastructure, and um, Pocket can then, or, and then they allow us to kind of lend their computing power, and we do all the load balancing and all that stuff, and you just kind of start earning Pocket as a result of that, right, so. Um, and then obviously we take, you know, a small piece of that as well. Sure. So as a business, like, there's, as we're building this, we're kind of coming up with lots of ideas to, to kind of build businesses on top of the protocol. So that's kind of in the long term, um, kind of how we see it.
1: Interesting.
0: Thanks for listening to Building the Future. This show is heard by more than a million people monthly in over 15 markets worldwide, including Silicon Valley. Kevin Horick's guests are leading business owners, successful entrepreneurs, and merchandisers worldwide. Now, your brand has an opportunity to tap into this dedicated and active group of business people who are looking for places to invest and the right opportunities to support. Find out how you can get involved at buildingthefutureshow.com.
1: So, how did you guys fund this originally? Did you raise money? Did you self fund, or, or how did you go about kind of getting this thing rocking?
2: Yeah, so um, I got into Bitcoin in twenty thirteen. Okay. Um, before it wasn't before in that and, and back then it wasn't blockchain. It wasn't crypto. It was it was just Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah. Right. So totally. um, I bought my first Bitcoin in in about uh, I don't know sometime in late twenty thirteen. Okay. Um, I want to say August, September, August, or something like that.
1: Very early. And.
2: Um, And that, um, you know, I I held my Bitcoin. Actually, it's a funny story. You know, you can probably talk to anyone in the space who's had this kind of a story. Um, Actually, when I moved to uh, San Jose, I had about um, something like 25 or 30 Bitcoin or something like that. And um, I ended up selling it all to live in San Jose. (laughs) while I was looking for (laughs) it. So so I actually didn't get kind of like my lucky break then. Um, What actually happened is when we started talking about Pocket, um, I started really looking into um, Ethereum development.
1: Okay. And
2: um, that was shortly after the DAO. Um, so the price of Ethereum was under 10 bucks at that time. Right. And when I started writing the smart contracts for Ethereum, I was like, oh, my gosh, this is the future. <laughs> so I took everything I had and actually just put it into Ethereum, and I kind of got lucky with that kind of next run-up that happened. And um, as a result, I was able to quit my job in uh, the May of next year. Wow. So uh, I had self-funded Pocket um up until about uh january of of 2018 okay and that's when we got some initial seed funding actually so we'd raised about um wow, in, in that's seed great. funding up until now so so yeah Very that's kind cool. of uh, how we uh how we've been funded up until now and and we're just we're just going on building and um yeah the team has grown from just four of us now to about 14 people which sure. has been really, uh, which has been really cool. Um, some people in the part time or full time capacity, but um, but yeah, it's been it's been it's been a ride, that's for sure.
1: Mm-hmm. Very cool, man. And and you guys did like a retreat recently, didn't you?
2: We did, we did. Um, that was really fun. We uh, so that since the team had grown from from you know four people to thirteen people or fourteen people. Yeah. Uh, no one had really worked together, right? So half of the team is in Dominican Republic. Got yeah, you. Are, are, my co-founder Valeria, she's in Colombia okay. and the rest of us are are here in Tampa. Right. And um, we just wanted we 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 wanted everyone to kind of work together and get to know each other and um, we've been in a kind of a long sprint of these last couple of months building Banana Quest. Right. So we we did this retreat and uh, man that was uh, that was great. We we learned a lot. Um, we've been so focused on product that you know Kind of everyone everyone we have a culture where everyone's kind of just brutally honest with each other.
1: Sure. And
2: um, we all kind of just learned a lot and, and everyone's just came out of that really, really excited actually. Very cool.
1: And Dominican so where did Republic you do
2: is it? A, Uh in Punta Cana. Okay. Um nice. actually. So so Dominican Republic's a really low cost place to do retreats FYI.
1: Okay. <laughs> um, Interesting.
2: Yeah. Yeah, we managed to rent um this big fourteen bedroom house wow. um for about uh, two hundred twenty dollars a night. Oh wow for about four nights.
1: That's insane, so, so we right? all, like insanely we all, cheap.
2: Yeah, yeah. So we all fit there, and and man, it was it was really great to have four nights there, um, and at least from Florida, it's pretty cheap to fly there. So, sure. um, um, we we just made that work, and it was a really great, um, just kind of bonding time, and, and having everyone kind of get really excited about working together.
1: Sure. So, so, did you guys actually code, or it was just kind of a little bit of coding, hanging out, getting to know each other, kind of, or or how did it kind no. of go?
2: So, we definitely had some key deliverables that we wanted to okay. uh, that we wanted to get done. Um, a lot of it had to do with the protocol. Um those us founders um, really wanted to just get kind of everyone's feedback on how we've been running the company up until Interesting. now.. So um we did kind of like post-mortem, so everyone was just brutally honest about that. And then um, one of the key things we wanted to do was was kind of um, focus on the next steps for the protocol. So we' were almost been ready. We've been ready to basically start building it ourselves, right? Sure. And um, we just, we we kind of spent um, half of the day, one, one of the days actually just building out or planning how we're going to build this thing out, right? Um, you know, in a real concrete manner with real deliverables and things like that. Um, and we also have the whole marketing side of it that uh, we planned out kind of like how we want to, you know, talk about Pocket in the future and things like that. Sure. Um, so it's it was, we, we really had, um, we really got a lot out of it. That being said, we got to have a little bit of fun too. Uh, we did this fun like little buggy thing through the caves and everything and, and you cool. know, through the city and everything. So we had some fun too, but um, we, the whole really point of it was to really get some um, uh, some key deliverables done because there's really nothing um, like working together like in a physical sure. space. Right? Yeah, fair. So, oh,
1: that's yeah, very cool, yeah. man. So you are obviously heavily involved in the community as well. Um, do you want to talk about kind of the the blockchain meetup and the open code thing that you you're heavily involved in?
2: Yeah, so um, I've been a part of the Bitcoin meetup here for a couple of years now, okay. and um, I got to give a shout out to, to Gabe and Rosa because they sure. actually started the Bitcoin um, the Bitcoin meetup uh, back in 2013, and um, yep. they were running from you know there was some days it would just be two people coming to this meetup, but they did sure. it without without fail for um, for every every two weeks every wednesday wow. um every other wednesday um for uh, even up until today right so sure. um what happened was last year uh, in 2017 um crypto really started to explode and everything and yeah. um uh, we started to get a lot more attention for our meetups and so much so that before we were just doing it at a restaurant where we could pay with bitcoin and things like that gotcha. but we quickly outgrew the restaurant and we needed a dedicated space to host our meetups and um at that time I was starting to to do ethereum development and things like that so i started the uh tampa bay blockchain developers meetup gotcha and um funny story i actually started the first meetup was actually um an open code so um i had about maybe seven or eight people come to do it okay. uh but the problem was that um and, and you know i had been working on our ethereum project right like pocket was this ethereum project that we were building and so i had a pretty right. decent um grasp on how to do it and everything like that but everyone else who came really didn't have a project to work on. They were kind of just interested in, in the theory development. Okay. So um, I quickly pivoted more to just doing more um, kind of like demos, like live coding demos and things like that. Okay. To where um, you know at, at peak, you know peak, we had almost forty people come to our meetups and things like that, which is really cool, especially for That's for the Tampa huge, Bay area. Actually. And um, you know, basically, we just had everything, um, all the content and everything, is on a GitHub that, that that I put up. And um, eventually, people started learning enough to actually. Uh, start their own projects, right? Okay, <laughs> so sure. um, about a year later, um I actually started doing the 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 open codes, where um, on every other Wednesday when the main meetup isn't, okay. um people can come in and look at their projects. But um I've been doing this now for about a year and a half now, and um, it's been great. It's been really cool I've had other people do their do their demos and and, and we're not um, ethereum only. we're we're pretty blockchain agnostic. Okay. um the space we do it at is a space called Block Spaces, which is kind of like a blockchain co space here in Tampa, so it's really the center of blockchain in Tampa Bay. It's where we host all our meetups and everything like that, and um, and yeah, it's been it's been really cool, kind of seeing people get really interested. Um, we've got a shoot off of that. Um, Chris Williams, he does this really cool um, uh, Corda and Hyperledger meetup, okay. um, which is like the the um, enterprise blockchain. Very he actually cool. helped build. He worked for IBM actually, and he wow. actually helped build Ledger, so he, he has some really deep knowledge in that stuff. So we've got some really talented people here. Um, you know talking and, and teaching some you know some really cool stuff
1: right cool. and,
2: and and a big focus is really you know is really the tech right like, yeah. like this is really an engineering and developer driven ecosystem and um in a lot of places you'll definitely see a lot of the interest in trading and making money and stuff but um especially for the developer meetups um we we don't care nor no really talk about any of that stuff right really the sure. focus is is teaching people the technology and and you know, trying to spread the knowledge of of, of the t- technology itself.
1: Sure, and I think helping them get started, right? At the end of the day.
2: Absolutely, absolutely, Cause, cause... and and that's what Block Spaces is is an education center sure. in the first place. So, Interesting, you know, have the really general intro meetups, and people come there, and then they kind of find their place, right? So, for example, we host um, a mining Mondays, a trading Tuesdays, oh, a general okay. meetups on Wednesday. Um, we have a newbie Friday, um, so it's it's really. Um, people come to the general meetups and then kind of split into what their interests are after that.
1: Very cool. Sure. Well, I I think too, even just like sometimes getting your development environment, like you'll get like 90% of the way there and you'll make like one little mistake and one tiny thing doesn't work, but you can't get the whole thing running because like one little error. Right. And it just like come to you guys and be like, okay, I'm running this problem. Cause you can spend hours on um, you know, Stack Overflow or, or in Google kind of searching around. And sometimes you find the answer right away. Sometimes it takes you hours. And I don't know about you, but me sometimes just cutting and pasting um, commands in the terminal can get kind of scary because you're like, what am I allowing people to do, right? <laughs> yeah, <absolutely.
2: laughs> Yeah, Yeah, we definitely help with that because, you know, I, I know when I was learning, I was just banging my head against the keyboard yeah. for, you know, hours. You, know, you have to take a break and come back and everything and um yeah we try to be a space where where people can come and and kind of get past that quicker right and and obviously and, and learn too
1: very cool so i'm curious to get your thoughts on the whole blockchain space because i've i've been in software for a couple decades now more on the design side i'm a terrible developer um i i can code but not great um but from like the security side of the blockchain side like do you think it's ever going to be hackable, or what are your thoughts um, on the security side of that?
2: Uh, so, so that's interesting. That's an interesting question. Um, I think right now um, we're kind of in a place where, kind of like in the 1700s, 1800s, people would be robbing banks, right? Mm-hmm. But the, kind of the strength of the dollar was still, you know, the dollar. Yeah. Um, and and people are experimenting with different blockchains, right? So, sure. um, Bitcoin um, is the biggest honeypot in the world, and yeah. it hasn't been hacked. Um, Ethereum um, has enough hashing power to where you know it it can't be it can't be broken. And they're doing some transitions and things like that. But um, there are definitely blockchains that can be hacked
1: and will be hacked,
2: right? Sure. So okay, um, what's great about the space is is because of the open source nature, yeah. um, you know. And this is going back to my 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 international studies and history background. You know, we've really only tried you know a handful of of monetary experiments or economic experiments at any one time right like we're sure. only really only experimenting one at, you know one at a time right like so we're gonna we're in this you know capitalism phase right now but but what's really cool is that each one of these blockchains is its own individual economic experiment
1: yeah <laughs> right and
2: some of them are gonna work some of them aren't um some of them it's because you know all the bitcoin miners can can change their hashing power to a smaller blockchain and kind of like overwhelm it right interesting. um or or you know you can you know in certain other kinds of chains, you might be able to buy up enough of the token to kind of overwhelm it right so that's a big um that's a big issue that a lot of um serious blockchain um protocol developers are thinking about it's like how can this thing be broken um how can we prevent this from from really being um broken in a uh, monetary way right um so that's kind sure. of the first attack vector that that bitcoin has proven as as bitcoin has proven that That can't be broken, at least with Bitcoin, right? And Ethereum has proven that as well, along with um, some of the other bigger blockchains. The next step up, though, is kind of like social engineering and kind of like political engineering within the blockchain itself, where where you kind of have this kind of soft power or influence uh, with people, where everyone has their own kind of incentive, and you're kind of seeing different attacks um, happen at that level, right? So, you know, Ethereum is forked, or I'm sorry, Bitcoin is forked, you know, hundreds of times already. Yeah. Um, but you kind of see this with, you know, Bitcoin cash and Bitcoin and things like that. So that's kind of like another attack vector where where the um, you know, you can't mathematically or physically buy enough, you know, computers to break the system, but maybe you can break it, you know, in a, in a, in a different way. Right. Sure. So, um, you know, that's another um, issue that these blockchains are trying to contend with. And I mean, that's part of the natural way of things. It seems like with the blockchain industry in any way, yeah. um, you know we're kind of all agreeing to, to be in this one ecosystem. And if enough people disagree, it's really easy for them to fork and create their own, you know, blockchain. So, um, everyone's kind of, uh, moving into their space and kind of, um, voting with their money if they will. Right. So,
1: um,
2: so that's really interesting. Right. Um, in terms of the actual space itself, I mean, man, we're just, we are just at the beginning. (laughs) I mean, it's, it's, it's really hard to comprehend, you know, it's like, you know, the internet was invented in, you know, 1962 or something like that, right? 1962, yeah. 63. and And we really didn't get our first kind of Netscape moment until 95, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that was only 50 million people on the internet at that time, right? Now we're at, at you know, several billion, I think. So, sure. so, I mean, Bitcoin was invented 10 years ago, right? Yeah. So, um, if, if we kind of see it in a way where um, right now, you know, we work on kind of like seven core protocols or seven core layers, right? The internet itself, sure. right? Yep. Um, and, and there's kind of dozens of competing protocols under there, but there's really like, it's really just seven layers, right? So it's like you have HTTPS and, you know, um, TCP and these other, you know, these, these protocols that help, you know, companies like Amazon and Netflix and Google, all these companies are kind of built on top of the protocols, right? Yeah. Um, it seems like we're having a protocol for every, you know, individual, you know, thing from, from money to, to gold, to anonymous money, to kind of like a general smart contract platform, to prediction markets, to, all sorts of things. And and it seems like we're on the way to being, you know, having, you know, potentially hundreds or thousands of kind of core protocols that that we run on, right? Our general lives run on. Sure. Um as, as this industry gets more mature. So I mean, and really the only ones that have gotten any real traction are just Bitcoin and Ethereum.
1: Sure. So if yeah. you think
2: about it with that that time scale, um, man, there's there's gonna be so many protocols that kind of work together and kind of allow for, you know, these interesting things to be built that we haven't even thought about yet
1: interesting yeah it, yeah no i i'm always curious i've been thinking a lot about that and it's nice to get kind of your perspective on this that's kind of actually building this stuff right or, or a part of it and have actually done development on an actual kind of po- uh popular kind of um blockchain right and you guys are doing this stuff and then you're seeing what other people are doing right so i'm always kind of curious to see where all this stuff goes because you're right. Like we're so so early on in this space.
2: Yeah, we really are. And and I mean, frankly, it's it's like the infrastructure isn't there. Yeah. To to really build these really cool things, you know. Right now, um, Ethereum is pretty clogged up, right? So right. so it's tough to use Ethereum right now. And and everyone's working on these big scaling solutions. But you know, all of us who see a future where you know a lot of the world really runs on these blockchains. Um, there's a lot of things that need to be built before that's even possible. So, um, you know, there's all this excitement and, and vision on on the really cool things that can be built, but it just takes time. It takes a lot of really smart people working on these hard problems. Stuff that's way over my head, right? Like I'll sit on a, on a plasma scaling call or see it on YouTube uh, for Ethereum, and it's just, you know, these guys are doing some really hard stuff, right? Sure. So, you know, it's a matter of, of time, experimentation. Um, finding the right path, finding the right solution and things like that. But um, eventually it'll get there, you know, that, that, you know, the, you know, the the genie can't be put back in the bottle, right? So um, it's, it eventually will get there. Um, And, you know, that's opened up for, you know, lots of other blockchains. who think they can do it better, which is great because that opens up for, for, for different forms of experimentation and everything like that. And what's great too, is that because everything is open source, um, everything kind of grows together and it's pretty collaborative. Yeah. Where, you know, someone from Zcash creates, you know, some really great new ZK snark technology and, you know, oh, it gets implemented in Ethereum. Oh, it gets implemented in Bitcoin or, you know, something like that. So um, everyone kind of lends from each other and learns from each other, too, in this space, which kind of pushes it all forward together either way.
1: Sure. No, I think that's that's really great. So for people that are looking to get into the space um, and, and actually start doing some of this development and maybe even try out Pocket what advice would you give them to kind of just get started and get motivating? Cause like we mentioned earlier, I, I think sometimes it's a bit daunting to kind of get started into these new kind of verticals and, and we're so early on, but what advice do you give people to kind of actually get over that hurdle and actually start?
2: Yeah. So, um, I'd say one of the trickiest things to starting blockchain development is really understanding how blockchain works. Okay. Right. So, so understanding that, you know, you're writing to this global, this, distributed database that you know when you write this data you can't control it no one can change it right so so i think the first part is really understanding what a blockchain is and how it works okay and i always point people to bitcoin first um learn about bitcoin learn about how bitcoin works okay um because frankly it's the simplest blockchain (laughs) it is by far the simplest one and um you know read the white paper um there's so much documentation and there's so much um content out there that kind of explains how bitcoin works at a technical level
1: okay um
2: and then making the leap to something like ethereum is a lot easier after that right where you have these generalized smart contract platforms that allow you to write applications um and everyone learns at a different pace um i would you could definitely you know start writing um solidity uh to okay. really understand um what it's like to kind of deploy a smart contract to ethereum right okay. and how wh- what it means for someone to interact with it because it's kind of a a mind-blowing thing when you Deploy this thing to Ethereum, and it kind of sits there forever, right? Yeah. And it's 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 just kind of a weird thing to get used to, and and also the, it's it's you're more developing like um, for a space shuttle where you need to make sure that everything is perfect and secure and safe, as opposed to you know building like a social media app like like yeah, Twitter or something. Or, you know, if, if there's a bug, you know you can fix it on the fly. You know, one of the things about Ethereum development or any kind of smart contract development is once you deploy this contract, it's really, really hard to change your code okay. afterwards, right?
1: Interesting. Um,
2: in fact, yeah, there, and then there are some paradigms that that are out there to help kind of upgrade your contracts um, if you, you know, if there's a you know critical bug or something like that. But it's taken um, three years <laughs> for that to mature and people to kind of really figure that out, right? Wow. So, um, you know, it's it's. I, I would say if you're if you're if you're not super familiar with just blockchains in general, first. Yeah. I'd say I'd say to just learn about Bitcoin and then learn about Ethereum because those are really the two um, major kind of paradigms, and it'll allow your your the way you think about these things and the framework in which you approach problems to kind of get accustomed to. Okay, this is how the consensus mechanism works. This is how you deploy the solidity code. Oh, okay, I need the ABI to kind of work with the smart contract and et cetera, et cetera. Right. So, I, 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 that's how kind of I would say you know, um, to get started. Right. Sure. Um. You want to really dive deep into it. Um, I definitely say look at BananaQuest um, and take a look at our SDKs because we're also communicating directly with ethereum. Um, okay. and and uh, BananaQuest is a full stack app. So you can actually see um, from the moment that someone on the phone taps a button, um, you can see through the code exactly how that gets managed and manipulated and actually sent to Ethereum. and how Ethereum actually you know takes that work that that you did you know, mines it and, and writes it to the global, you know, to the global state of the machine of, of, the, of the network and then returns it back to you. Right. So, so, you know, Benetton Quest is a full, you know, it's a full stack app where you can see the full process of reading and writing to, to Ethereum or to a blockchain. Right. So, um, that would be that's actually just a great kind of instructive, just, you know, looking through the code and things like that. Right. Sure. And, uh, and yeah, there's so much, there's, what's great about the space is, um, is there's the content is just, it never stops, and and people are constantly learning. People are constantly posting really amazing things. Um, you know, the research that's being done in a lot of these spaces are, it's just at a breakneck pace. Um, that's another thing. Um, you should definitely keep up with the news because uh, sure. if you if you don't, uh, especially with the technical developments, three months off, you're you it's going to take you a while to, to catch back up. <laughs> so um, for that, Twitter is definitely the best place for that. Um, if you were in Bitcoin back in 2013. Really, the core place where, where a lot of the conversation was happening was uh, on the Bitcoin subreddit, okay. and uh, a lot of things. And the, it was interesting because there's a lot of kind of like censorship, and people weren't allowed to say certain things on Bitcoin subreddit. So a lot of the conversation actually moved to Twitter. So a lot of the people who are building anything actually, every almost everyone's everyone everyone is on Twitter. So uh, it's a great resource actually for, for what people are thinking now, and and just generally like what the what the mood of of the industry is.
1: Very cool. But Michael, we're, we're kind of out of time, so let's close with mentioning where people can get more information and try Pocket out and uh, Banana Quest.
2: Yeah, so you can go to Pocket's website. Um, that's P-O-K-T dot network. Okay. And um, you can reach uh, all of our information through there. You can go directly to our GitHub. Um, it's github.com slash P-O-K-T dash network. Okay. And um, if you want to try out Banana Quest um you can go to bananoquest.com and sign up for the beta. Uh we're actually preparing to send out beta invites next week, our okay. first our first round of it. So um it's been pretty fun. I've been putting bananas everywhere and uh
1: awesome.
2: actually we're going to do a uh a Banano Quest bar crawl in 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 about a month very over, cool. at, uh, over in St. Pete to kind of uh, launch the app and stuff. So we're pretty excited about that.
1: That's very cool. And it's B A N A N O Q U E S T.com.
2: Correct. Banano with an O. Yeah. So and then it's because we all we we all speak Spanish and we're Latin.
1: Ah, okay,
2: interesting. in some countries, um, the way you say banana or banana is banano, right? In Spanish, so um, it's kind of like a shout out to to to, to Latin group
1: That's actually. cool. That's cool. I didn't I didn't know that, but that's cool, man. That's great. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to be on the show, and I look forward to keeping in touch with you and have a good rest of your day, man.
2: Thank you, Kevin. I really enjoyed this. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Bye.
0: Thanks for listening